I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, darlings all. Welcome to this Monkey Kingdom and ACAST production of Tom Reed Wilson Has Words With. Sometimes a guest seems particularly apposite, which incidentally means suitable, or more literally, applicable, since apanere is the Latin meaning apply. Michelle Visage, for word exploration, is apposite because she ranks among the most quoted women on earth, star of RuPaul's Drag Race and Strictly Come Dancing. She has embarked on a love affair with the UK, and we reciprocate in spades. Let's hasten Michelle's coming now with a few bespoke lines from my eager, ink-drenched nib. This diva who says divas ever will rise, even if just from their beds, knows when she's singing or cutting a rug, she has the power to turn heads. The first time she belted out New York, New York, school friends had jaws on the floor. She found liberation through treading the boards, a kind she had not felt before. Epiphanies strike and they sometimes empower. This one gave birth to a star. No wonder we relished her name on our lips, though it was a name from afar. But now with Strictly and RuPaul's Drag Race making its way to our aisle, we clasp her warmly to our blighty boob because we're bewitched by her style. So I think it right to announce her post-haste. I'm longing for our persiflage, our elegant guest ever feeling her oats. <laughs> it's heavenly Michelle Visage. <laughs> How do you write that stuff? Like, does it come to you in your sleep? Do you have somebody help you? How do you write such words? Well... It really helps if I have a divine inspiration. I find that very, very galvanizing indeed. And also, I always think when somebody rather dazzling like you comes along, Michelle, that oh I want to encapsulate their entire oeuvre. And the best way is to distill it and distill it and distill it into rhyming couplets, if at all possible. You said oeuvre. <laughs> oeuvre. Like, these are words that are not used by humans in 2021. It's, you're so wonderful and so special. And I hope everybody appreciates you for all that you are. Oh, well, right back at you, kiddo. No, oh, go on. <laughs> and, well, 
this is a word space and a word place, and it's all about words here. And of course, the word that is closest to home is the name. And I'd love for you to tell me about the rather special journey from Cara to Visage. <laughs> I will tell you. So when I first moved to New York City to go to stage school. So I grew up in New Jersey, which is basically the Liverpool of the United States. Um, <laughs> I moved to the big city. So I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be an actress and a performer. And, and where I grew up, we didn't really have that. I didn't grow up with any kind of grandeur or, you know, oeuvre. <laughs> I just grew up, you know, working class parents. I was a latchkey kid and um, all I wanted to do was be a star. First person I ever fell in love with and was enamored with was the incredible Mae West, who I stumbled upon in <sighs> something called an encyclopedia. And um, I moved to New York City when I was 17 after graduating high school. I auditioned and got into this stage school for uni. And it was the big city and I was scared and nervous and I went... My mother um, sent me a fake ID because I couldn't get into nightclubs because I was 17 and in New York you had to be 21. And I, my mother sent me a fake ID. She said, you have no excuses. You want to be discovered. You need to go out to a bar. And um, it worked. And I got into this bar. I dragged my roommate from uni. And I remember walking down the steps. The nightclub was called The Underground. Walking down some dark steps, this beautiful beautiful brown skinned boy comes up and grabs me by the arm and he says, oh, you have the most beautiful face I've ever seen. Now, mind you, I've never heard that. The boys back home didn't care a lick about my face. And um, my mother was the only one that told me I was beautiful. So then he brought me downstairs and surely I thought I was getting lucky when I realized <laughs> um, the opposite. He didn't like my kind and brought me into this room that was filled with 30 or 40 of the craziest looking people I had ever seen in my life. And I was the only one with skin my color. And I realized really quickly that it didn't matter. And that's not what this was about. It was like I Dorothy clicked her heels three times and ended up back in Kansas. I clicked my heels three times and ended up on Christopher Street in New York City. And that's kind of where my LGBT journey began. I was included into these people's lives and we became what is known if you watch those as a house. And that's where it all started for me. So they gave me the name Gara, which means face, all starting from this lovely boy called David, who's no longer with us. So I would put it on the back of my jacket. I'd put it on my baseball caps. I'd, and you spell C-A-R-A, -A, it's the Spanish word for face. So when we, I would first go to the ballroom culture, um, the Harlem ballroom culture, I would walk a category called face. And people would call my name walking down the street going, hey, Cara. Hey, Kara, because they weren't sophisticated enough to know that Gara is a Spanish word and my name is not Kara. And it offended me so greatly because I don't look like a Kara, though the name is pretty. That's not my name. So I took six years of French in school and visage means face in French. Yes. And that's where it all began in the ballroom culture. Visage was bequeathed to me. Well, of all our guests, I think it very apropos that you're here today because you are one of the most quoted women on the planet. And actually, that brings me to your relationship with RuPaul because he said something rather lovely to you about kind of self-editing and sieving for the golden nuggets. He said, he said, talk into a recorder and transcribe it. And you say, I just talked and out of the talking, I listened 
to find out what was cohesive. I mean, that's brilliant advice. I think if you ever write a book or want to write a book, but you're scared or even anything like that, you, I don't know, I'm a person that always <laughs> seeks wisdom or, you know, I think when we stop learning, we might as well just give up. Uh, honestly, I think life is about learning about all yes. different things. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a student of everything and a master of none. I like a little bit, literally everything from medicine to technology. I tried to get a little bit of everything. So when it came time to write my book, The Diva Rules in 2014, it was released in 2015, Rue said, start recording yourself and listen. And, and it gives you, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror. You can even do it on your phone and just start recording a conversation and hear what other people hear when you speak. And you could, I've sat back and listened to myself and went, wow, I would take advice from me, you know? <laughs> and then there's been times like in the, in the early days where I'd record myself and go, no, you idiot. Why are you telling people that? Why are you acting that way? It, it's reflective. And I think life is reflective because, you know, there's that thing on TikTok where you reverse the image and that's what people see. You know, it's kind of the same way with with conversation. You want to hear and be responsible about what you put out into the world. And I think that's a great way to do it. Yes, absolutely. It's extreme, but yeah. What you've put out is these amazing golden nuggets, which are indelibly seared on our psyche. And I've got a handful of my favorite visages, oh if you will. Um, okay. Here are three. I push up my boobs for Jesus, eloquent <laughs> and relying yes. on the body. Yes. <laughs> yes. Those are three good ones. And They're for fantastic. me, the first one is I push up my boobs for Jesus is very um, kind of indicative of who my character is, you know, as as opposed to who I am in my personal life, because people do kind of conflate those two people. You know, they think that I walk around like Cruella DeVille, though I may appear to look like her. <laughs> um, I do not want to skin young drag queens and make them my coat. Um, <laughs> there is a bit of a characterization that goes into the role that I play as a judge on Drag Race, but it is the most important thing to me as a job because they are Drag queens have always been so important to me as a viable art form. And the fact that back when I started, you know, hanging around with drag queens and being involved in that circuit, in that lifestyle, they were never, they were marginalized. They were not, yes. you know, idolized. So for me to see where they are today, I feel very invested and so proud. Yes. Well, you were right at the beginning of that journey, weren't you, in, in terms yeah. of it? blossoming in that long gestation way before it was mainstream just the most extraordinary journey from from new york city into hitting the whole world as it has yeah, now. It's, and it's been amazing it's not and to, to counter it's not really quite mainstream i think it's more mainstream because we're seeing especially in the uk queens on other tv shows and just kind of assimilated into as not something weird or something you know niche just kind of part of the cast. And yeah, we're including this person in. That's what this world should be about. It's what it should always have been about. We're getting closer to the M word, but I wouldn't call us 
extremely mainstream. I think that it's a queer art form that is created by queer people for queer people to fight back. It's a sort of a revolution. Yes. And, you know, don't tell us how we need to be to fit into your mold. And that's why it'll never be 100% mainstream. And guess what? We're okay with that. Yes. Yes, indeed. And I think that that singular tongue of yours goes with it. And I'd love to find out some of the earlier influences on that tongue as we turn back the clock and get regional with Michelle Visage. <laughs> you did mention New Jersey um, and more specifically South Plainfield, which kind of <laughs> dazzlingly prophetically has the nickname City of Queens. It does? Yes, it's what I call retrospective irony because it got this moniker in Victorian times. Tom, I've <laughs> never heard that. And it is so apropos. It is so fitting. And it's so hilarious because if you knew the kind of homophobic, racist, horrible tones that went on anti-Semitic where I grew up, yes. um, City of Queens is not what I would call it. I couldn't wait to get the hell out of that city. I'm not ashamed of it, but I had so much growing to do. You know, it made yes. me who I am today. I learned a lot about culture. I learned a lot about how I don't want to be and how I don't want to treat other people. When I moved to the big city, everything changed, everything opened up and I looked back and it's really small town mentality and a yeah. small town place. So the fact that it's called City of Queens is hilarious because it is the opposite. <laughs> Deeply ironic. And I guess the very first seed of that extraordinary journey to your flirtation with the big lights was mm. that first time that this little girl that felt marginalized there and, and didn't get on with it, got on stage and belted out New York, New York to dazzled peers. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I was never popular, okay? I was a bullied kid. I think so many people that are listening can relate, so I'm not going to lament about that because we've all had our own I was picked last for volleyball situations. Yes. Um, and the boys didn't like me. I wasn't cool enough for the girls. Uh, I was, you know chubby, not hip, all, all that. The story goes on and on. But one thing I, I did love was when I would go home and listen to my records. And I felt like music and musical theater in particular was a place where I felt like I had my room as my stage. And I, me, just like everybody else, it's not a different story. It's the tale as old as time, if you will. But I knew that I loved to do it. So when they had something called in, in my, what we call middle school, which would be ages, uh, 11 to 13, um, they had something called Scenes from Broadway because they didn't have the money to buy the actual Broadway show. It would be Scenes from Broadway. <laughs> and I remember auditioning and I sang not the Frank Sinatra, but the Liza Minnelli the version. The Liza version, the version from the movie. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and I I got that song. I, I did it. I auditioned. I nailed it. And then I remember singing it. And the school had to, you know, we were forced to do these assemblies. And everybody had to come watch scenes from Broadway. And I was like, you know, always embarrassed. But I didn't give a crap because I love to sing. And if you gave me a stage, I would always do it. And I walked out there with a suitcase like I was leaving. And I remember oh. wearing a gunny sacks dress that I had worn for my bat mitzvah. It was very expensive. I brought the suitcase on because I was leaving. Start spreading oh the news. I'm God. leaving today. You were singing 
your story that was about to happen. So I step out on the stage with my suitcase. I sit on the top of it and I start singing, start spreading the news, you know, and then at the end of it, big, big applause, people coming up to me going, oh my God, I didn't know you had that voice. And I became kind of the girl with the voice, the girl that sings. And then every production from there, you know, I had a supporting role or a lead role. And that became my purpose. My purpose was to do musicals. My purpose was to sing in a rock band. And I went into Battle of the Bands there and people started paying attention to me. And I didn't get boyfriends, but I got attention. Oh gosh, how blissful. There was a boy around this time, not a boyfriend, but your journey as an ally kind of began here too, because you said something once that I think is very beautiful about allies, and I believe it to be true, that that allies have once kind of needed an ally themselves. And so it makes their empathy spike and it makes you very good at your antennae being up and spotting someone that needs an ally. And indeed you did, and you were his when he needed it most. And the irony was, Tom, he wasn't even a friend, like in the same friend group, you know? Um, he was just somebody, because you you hit the nail on the head, saying apparently what I said, but that was about if anybody has ever gone through the bullying situation or not even bullying, but neglected or ignored, which is a form of bullying, but people will defend it because it's not direct, you know, pointing and laughing or beating up or whatever the situation is. But neglect is still bullying. And I've always felt it. It's, it's actually an empath gaping hole in my heart if I see somebody sitting out there that isn't being included. So it was a situation in school where there was one very flamboyant, obviously gay boy who in 1985, 1986 could not be out. When I grew up, boys would say they were bi to cover the, them being gay, which is so sad that they couldn't just be who they are. But this one in particular had the best style, the best hair, would wear these really skinny, beautiful pink leather ties. And like, I was very into fashion. So we were the two kind of fashion people. And I'd pass them in the hallway and we knew what was up. We knew each other. And it was always very high, high, but he was very quiet. I was not. I got to a point where I didn't care and I lived loud and proud, kind of like who I am today. <laughs> the boys, the straight boys were picking on him. The really straight, like wrestler types were making fun of his lisp, his gay lisp, not a speech impediment, but the gay lisp, Tom. Mm. And um, it went on. At first, I just kind of, my eyes went up. I looked and I had never come to somebody's defense like this before. Um, and they were going on and yes, just making fun of him. And it got to a point where I couldn't take it. I couldn't sit by and not do anything. So I stood up. I got in kind of the leaders of the group's face, the one who's doing all the talking. And I pointed in his face and just said, who the hell do you think you are? You know, and without cursing and getting all yellow. Um, yes. I just said enough was enough. And we started a screaming match going against each other. I got sent to the principal's office with him. But it was the first time I realized that this loud, obnoxious mouth could do some good and speak up for the people who not only are not ready, but not willing. There's a lot of people who don't want to fight, who don't want to speak up, who don't. There's plenty of gay people that are not who have been gay for 30, 40 years in the public eye who are still not willing to come out. Um, and that's their prerogative. And he didn't have to come out, but he certainly did not deserve yeah. to be bullied. And I think that your philosophy and uh, and your outlook has permeated all the way down to your children. I'd love for you in that respect to tell me about on being a weirdo. 
My daughter, I have two beautiful daughters. Lily is my eldest and Lola is my youngest. Lily is now 21 um, and she is gay. And um, Lily has struggled with um, many things. Being gay was not one of them because she's always had a very safe environment to be who she is. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But she did struggle with um, severe depression, severe anxiety, um, severe ADHD. And for people who don't understand... Being diagnosed with ADHD is um, so complicated when it comes to women from teenage years and up because it presents so differently. And there are different types. When you hear ADHD, I think you we're taught as children that that means there's a young boy probably running around who's hyped up on sugar, who's smashing into walls. When ADHD is so much more than that, especially for girls, and there's the inattentive type, and I'm not going to get too deep. This is one of those things, of course, I had to educate myself about, a master of none. We're going back to that. Um, but I'm learning. And through that, um, we're starting to understand our children because they both have ADHD. Uh, we thought Lily was on the spectrum at some point, And again, ADHD could present like that. So Lily never quite fit in. Um, she was always queer and always different and, um, you know, fixates and obsessed with things like Pokemon. And she loves her plants. And she's, she's now a, a horticulture major in uni and hoping to have a farm and she's just found her way in life. And she's, she's such, <sighs> my, my daughters are such magical entities and beings, but Lily struggled so greatly, had you know, really had a hard time making friends. And she started this thing in school called, you know how we have Ted talks. Yes. She started something. It was her spearheading it called 20 time, which is like a little high school version of Ted talks. And I came to see her not knowing what she was doing. And she wrote her talk. And the title was on being a weirdo. And I had never been more proud of my child for accepting who she was as a weirdo. I'm a self-confessed weirdo. And I think that accepting it and loving it and knowing it and raising that kind of freak flag makes you understand who you are so much more as a person. And if people want to join your weirdo group, it's that much better. Um, It's making peace and finding love within yourself for who you are. And it was one of the proudest moments of my life. 
And I have the speech forever saved on my phone. Oh, Michelle, I think that's heaven. You know, I very often get described as eccentric. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite words because the Greek root is ekkentron, out of the center. And I have always lived out of the center and I've always gravitated toward people out of the center. And if you celebrate the word that's leveled at you insultingly, then actually it's the most emancipating thing in the world because you're very happily treading water there in that eccentric space or that weird space. And I think it's divine. I say we party in the margin. There's a paper and we're supposed to all write in the middle of it. But what about those margins on the side? That's where I like to party. That's where I like to live. <laughs> it's true. Me too. Right. That's why we, we I've loved you for many, many years. Oh. You are eccentric. I'm eccentric as well in my own different way. But that's what makes us special. That's what makes us who we are. And most importantly, Tom, that's what brings us together. That's why we can feel kindred spirits without even knowing that. I know that you're my person. Oh, you my. We're each other's people because we understand each other. We talk the same talk. Yeah. We might not, um, you know, Know, do the same things in everyday life but when we get together the the energy is kinetic you can't deny it. I, I couldn't agree with you more <laughs> <laughs> now Michelle yes you orbit a world a very special world indeed the world of drag it's yes. it's the most in my humble opinion the most quotable realm and world <laughs> that there is so it would be really remiss of me not to fire just a few of the most celebrated dragisms with a little bit of dragslation. Okay. The first one is a faux queen. So I'm not a fan of the word faux. Um, a faux queen is somebody uh, who could be AFAB, which AFAB stands for assigned female at birth, um, a bio queen which uh, again, some people like, some people don't like. I personally call myself a drag queen. Um, again, that could upset people as well because you know there is a place where it came from and why it was you know, started in general. But I have the words drag queen tattooed on my thigh as well. But for me, oh, yes. the word faux means false or fake. And yes, I yes. feel like at this point and always, but especially now, everybody can do drag. There shouldn't yes. be, you know, Rue says we're all born naked and the rest is drag. So everybody can do drag. I mean, as far as drag race goes, it just, you know, your audition just has to be good. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> what it comes to that. So I don't like the word faux. I just feel like I'm a drag queen. The end. Well, do you think drag mother is a more fitting appellation for you? Yes. At this point, I do feel like Rue's the grand dame. She is the Joan Collins. There is no touching Rue. So for me, yeah. I, I feel like I'm a drag mother because I tour with the queens. I perform with the queens. I yes. look after them. I do their laundry when we're on tour. I sleep in tour buses with them. I make sure they're eating and not drinking so much alcohol. Like there's things that I do. So yeah, I, I've always been maternal. And of course I have my biological children and I think hundreds of thousands of gabies out there who aren't accepted by their parents or kicked out or, or whoever they are that need somebody to tell them that they are loved and they are perfect as they are. So the, the drag mother moniker works very well for me. <laughs> now, you just mentioned Rue. Now, in reference to Rue, I have to mention my best friend because my best friend is the biggest fan of What's the Tea. And Aww. I... <laughs> 
<laughs> and he has listened to every episode, but he hasn't just listened to every episode. I, I mean, he's listened many times. And oh. uh, I'm so I'm about to cite his favorite, but he would kill me if I didn't quickly ask, is it returning? And if so, when? We hope so. You know, the whole thing was we have been traveling and um, this is all before we could start to do it online, you know, because we always like to do it in person. We always yes. have people come. We have our studio and people come to us. And it, now we're doing three countries between the UK, uh, down under and the US that it was like, ah, you know, Rue's got a husband that lives in another state. I've got my family and children that are in other states. So it was a matter of timing. We hope to have it back. Oh, when? don't know, but we hope to get on it. He is going to be ricocheting off the walls when he hears this. <laughs> this can't be cut, Aisha, this bit. <laughs> but his favorite of all is feeling your oats. Yeah. <laughs> feeling your oats is something that's, geez, that's been around. So when I started in the ballroom and in the, the, the gay community, oh my God, I'm dating myself, but it would have been 1987. Um, and they were saying it back then. I don't know the derivation. I do know, though, however, it, everybody's always said it. She, all these quotes that you're hearing now have been around from before me, probably, yeah, 60s, probably. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of one of my favorite P.G. Woodhouse lines, which is full of beans and butter. <laughs> and the notion of, you know, like having a good porridge or some good buckwheat in it giving you wonderful eked out energy for the whole day that's not the only thing it gives you baby <laughs> but feeling your oats is like oh i am feeling fabulous honey she is feeling her oats we never knew where it came from but it is a funny one that isn't it <laughs> i just adore it as is yeah hoochie mama hoochie mama <laughs> You know, everything just sounds so much better with an English accent, especially a posh one. Hoochie mama. Hoochie mama. Um, I was born you know. sucking on a plum, I'm afraid. <laughs> Indeed. I would comment something naughty, but I'll let that pass. Um, hoochie mama is very obvious. Ooh, she is a hoochie mama. She is, um, I identify as a hoochie mama. I like to dress like a hoochie mama. It's somebody who has no problem letting their sexuality exude. Very nice. Well, actually, that Thank also you. ties into something else that I think you are, a glamazon. Mm. Glamazon is somebody who's so glamorous, they are larger than life. Raquel Welch, um, you know, I mean, unless the, the list goes on and on. Obviously, RuPaul is the queen, glamazon. But... Yes. And and uh, aforementioned Liza, she's got to be a glamazon in all that house. Liza's a glam. Have you watched Halston? No, it's on my, it's number one on my list. I'm just finishing Call My Agent, and then it's that. Yeah, you need to watch it. It's very, very good. Lastly, because it's just so musical and lyrical, and I love it, and we've been doing it for the last 40 minutes. Kiki. <laughs> so Kiki um, is one of those things that you just know. I was talking to you about you find your person, you find your people. And when you get together and Rue and I do this all the time, if we haven't seen each other for two weeks, for two months, we get together and it's like, <laughs> you know, two school kids. And it's like, ah, 
can't wait to see you. We have so much to talk about. And then you get together and it's like, you just, you're just, you know. So it's like on a matter beer. You just soar up an octave and go, you know, kind of. That's it. That's what it is. It's having a good time with your friends that you, let's go, let's go kiki in the party. Let's go kiki over coffee. You're just giggling and having fun and just, you know, luxuriating in each other's company. Well, Michelle Visage, that is exactly what I have done with you. I have adored going kiki with you for the last <laughs> half hour or so. It's been Thank undiluted you. bliss. You are just an angel walking on these soils. And I absolutely have adored you for so long. And I can't wait to actually sit and kiki with you in person. And we will do that. I shall be back in September, September and we will get together for some cafe au lait. Bliss. Bliss. I hold you to that. You got it. Lots of love. You got it. I'm so <laughs> grateful. Thank you, my darling. Thank you. Our bonus word today is also from the rich drag canon, Sprepper, a portmanteau of the drinks Sprite and Dr. Pepper. So sort of sweet, but by no means a yummy cocktail. Well, I'm off for a considerably more delicious libation of my own now. Chin chin, darlings all. If you enjoyed this episode, you may also enjoy Drag Race alumnus Bag of Chips. This has been a Monkey Kingdom and Acast production. Until next time, oodles of love.